back at it again. Ira Jersey, take it away. Welcome to League One Fun. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. We're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. I'm Ira Jersey, and that voice you heard to start us off was Jason. We're streaming live right now. So I'm going to do a sight gag, which I'm going to, Jason, ask you to describe what I got just for our man Evan Conway, since Evan was not happy with my scarf collection. There you go. I I now have, I've purchased for myself a Union Omaha. Tags on it and everything. Brand new. Literally came in the mail today, so I go. opened it maybe two hours before we started recording this pod. Is that, is that literally why we pushed the show back, so that you could show off the scarf? Uh, no, but yes. Okay. <laughs> that's, right. what we, that's what I have that now. I've added it to my very collection. Very problematic on my end, because you're cutting into my nap time right now. No, I'm <laughs> – man. So, so in case you don't know, Jason is now in uh, many time zones away from where he used to be, yes. so – I think it's siesta time where you are. It definitely is. Like I, <laughs> I've got this whole schedule because I have to get up at three thirty for work, three three thirty a.m., four a.m. for work. So I go to bed at like eight, and then I uh, get up three thirty, and then I take a nap from like twelve to two, and it's beautiful. And then today you're like, oh, show notes, and I was like, oh, <laughs> it's great. So no nap for me, but yes, I had to get away from you sick mainlanders who don't know how to wear a mask <laughs> and handle a pandemic. So I am literally on an island as far away as I can without doing visa work. Oh, man. Um, well, Jason, I'm also sorry that I missed last week. So it was uh, it got really crazy busy, you know, b- between starting a USL League Two side as well as just, you know, life and work and everything else. Another um, flex. Starting a you know starting a team you know as as an owner it's it's a little bit of work and then all of a sudden because all of these universities and the NCAA is not playing in the fall basically um, we're we're starting um, our own U twenty three teams to play in the fall so um, so that that's been quite a bit of uh, I mean, quite a bit of logistical work for us but uh, but I did watch all of this weekend week's matches I watched last night's match I wish I hadn't um, wow between, <laughs> I mean it, I. Mean, I mean, if if you like blood, like running into the streets yeah. of Miami uh, of Orlando, you know it's uh, it was fine. But but that's, I that's I, so called every day. In that's not anything <laughs> special. That's just how Orlando works. I guess that's true. Um, but first, let's get to the news, Jason. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, uh, update on COVID. Uh, anything? Yeah, not good. <laughs> uh, so I don't have it in front of me. But I think it was what five new positive tests across it, I three different it was teams. New positive tests on five different teams. Oh, even better! Fantastic. Um, again, the, the I mean, that's issue. one of the reasons why last week you did not see um, some coaches travel. So that's right. why uh, you did not have South Georgia Tormenta's uh, coaching staff up in uh, up in Madison. So, and again, or, I mean, pro being it's not the players, but con, you can't control what staff and academy players do, right? Whereas the players, they're in a controlled environment where you can actually look over them, look at the safety protocols. Staff members, they can go home and have a COVID party and, and have a pool party. And then all of a sudden they come back into a locker room and here we have the problem. Yeah. Um. Well, we did get some other things because we have played soccer now for a month. So there are now a player and coach of the month, unsurprisingly, Jason, both from the Greenville Triumph, who continue yes. to be at the top of the table. And it was Jake Keegan 
who missed the end of last season, did not play in the finals or the playoffs last year for League One. Uh, but he's back to his scoring ways. A worthy uh, candidate for player of the month there, Jason? Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely been, you know, if Greenville decides that they're going to win every game 1-0 for the rest of the year, right? He's the one that's probably going to be scoring it. Um, he's also, you know, he's sh- it's, it's one to come back from an injury and have a slow start, but for him to come back and immediately, you know, kind of jump into where he left off, it, it's important for Greenville to get that fast start, right? If it took him time to gain that offense and then you go, okay, here we go again. Who's going to score goals for us? Is it going to be JJ? Does Carlos Gomez need to move up? But the fact that he was able to plug right in and start scoring immediately, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good look for Greenville and he's proven his worth. Who else would be a contender for you? You know, it it's surprisingly I, I just because and I don't I there's multiple people, but I'm just gonna throw this out there. You know, Ricky Espin is not missing the chances he's getting, right? Yeah, like the difference between Although he's been offside about a thousand times already. Right. But at the same time, like the past two weeks, I mean, if he gets the ball four times at his feet, he's putting in the back of the net those four times and he's doing it from turnovers. He's doing it from half field. He's doing it from, you know, as headers and from crosses. I I don't know, man. Like if you ask a striker, Hey, we need you to do this and he's doing it and he's doing it at the rate that Ricky's doing it at. It's hard to deny that. Yeah. So I, that's not, not a bad shout either. I mean, obviously you could give it to some of the other goal scorers, some of the other guys who are at the, at the top. So you give it to Hurst, for example, might, might've been a shout mm-hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, Jake Egan, worthy candidate. And of course, uh, John Harks, uh, coach of the month, not, not an unusual occurrence actually in league one so far in its short history. No, it's all, it's almost like he's an experienced player or something and coach. <laughs> who would have thought? I know. Who, um, I, who, who would have ever known? Yeah. So even though we missed last week because of me, we got to talk a little bit about the Henny Derby. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. listen, you know, I'm, I'm done. Joey, Joey G's ghost is haunting me for the last time. <laughs> I will never pick against Richmond ever again. <laughs> I, may, I might have them draw a couple times, but I'm not ever picking against them because when I do, they prove me wrong. And we'll, we'll talk about it with their re- their last week came against Tucson. But yeah, they're they're the probably most improved team this year. And, and you know, you asked me in our in our uh, in our preseason show, uh, our second preseason show, actually, <laughs> we did. Oh boy, we did a month ago. Well, no, you, you had asked me who was going to score, and I said it was you know likely to be scoring by committee, and yeah. we were both wrong about that. So, yeah, no. you know, basically Trezaghi has been, you know, a real revelation for them, and you know they they are defending better, but but more importantly, I think differently than last year, they're they're possessing the ball on a, on occasion but they're doing it with the aim to go to goal instead of last year where basically they they might have had 60 or 70% possession but every time they got into the final third they either didn't shoot or they you know took low low quality chances now they're getting the ball into dangerous positions and into high quality chances and I'm, I know that we'll wind up talking about that Right. Uh, what we discussed this and week. I, I think a big part of that is the midfield, right? They're winning the ball now in the midfield as opposed to having to play from their back every single time, right? And that was the thing with them. It's hard to play from the back when you had North Texas and Lansing and these teams that press all in your face. Now with Riley Kraft all over the place and Bullduck able to push forward, they have a better way of having possession in a better position than they did last year. Yeah. And, and on the other side, uh, you know, forward – is I, I think 
isn't exactly the same team as it was last year for whatever reason. They're just not as organized as they had been uh, last season. And I'm not exactly sure what changed that much. I mean, yes, they have at least one center back that's different, but at at the end of the day, the, they're, they're outside backs. Josio. Yeah. It's Josio Nunez. He was the player that can go back and help defend, like start the ball in his own half and then start the attack. He can go, he was creative, play him at the 10, play him at the six and eight if you had to. So without him, right, it's one of those things to where you would hope that JC Bank fills in in that role. And we'll talk about it later. The last game that they played against Tormenta, I really liked their formation because it did allow JC Banks to be in that role to where he can float around, be offensive and defensive, can come back for the ball if he wants to stay up. But then the the issue with that is you put a lot, a lot of pressure on Eric Leonard. And when you have a new center back pairing, you know, the first couple of games, you don't want to put that much pressure on, on Eric because, you know, you're putting pressure on Josiah and Jalen or whoever they're plugging in back there. So, uh, I guess the cure, though, for for not being organized is to face off a coachless Tormenta team. So, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. Um, well, and we will definitely talk about that. So, unsurprisingly, given the continued woes at Orlando City B, there is apparently some locker room drama. Jason, you want to drop this on us? Yeah. Listen, I. So I, I'm just kind of putting the little lines in between the dots and I'm not quite sure what's going on with uh, Austin Amar, right? Austin Amar, easily their best player last year, right? Is, is a midfield presence with someone who was getting looks from the first team. I think it's signed to the first team and, or is, was supposed to be signed to the first team. And he's only played 62 minutes this year uh, was easily their best passer and it's not like a, a position battle thing, right? He's not injured. There's no position battle. And just to give you an example, he had the highest passing accuracy last year on the team at 89.7% on 900 passes. And that also includes an 83 passing accuracy in the opponent's half. Wow. This year, right now, when he's not playing with them, Orlando City B has given the ball away more than any other team and is tied for last in passing accuracy. So I don't know what's going on, but if your best player is not playing and he's not injured, I'm going to assume that him and the coach are, are seeing some things differently because there's no reason why he shouldn't even be making the bench and making the lineup. It, it makes no sense. So we'll have to look out for that, and you know, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder if they're thinking about bringing him up to the first team when the first team starts to play. And I would hope because week. you're wasting talent if you're not right. He's just sitting there, and if I'm, you know, if I'm other USL League One teams, if I'm North Texas, if I'm, you know, Richmond and people who you know can use some midfield depth, I give I give him a call and find out what's going on. If I mean it's Orlando City, so I don't know if anyone actually picks up a phone they have a phone i don't know how that communication works but oh, they started i would try to at least find out what's going on they started off so promising a number of years ago although i guess they made it pretty far in the mls's back thing well i mean and they and they looked good against who was it tormenta uh, yeah they looked okay against tormenta i'm seeing that i'm seeing having, the trend who's I'm having their the own words. yeah 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 um and forward madison did make a signing so noah noah fussin um Fusen. Okay. I, I literally like listen to the podcast just to hear his pronunciation so I can nail it on the show. Fusen. <laughs> so uh, tell me like, no, that's not it. James. I, <laughs> you still I'm not, oh, I'm not saying anything. Uh, are you kidding? I'm the last person to correct anyone's pronunciation of anything. Um, 
So did you, have you seen any tape on him? I, I don't know a lot about him. No, I know that uh, – so I read the article, and, you know, Coach Shore likes him. He's a forward winger. Uh, surprise, surprise, that they would bring in other forward wingers. So probably someone that fits in that system to where he can intersect in between going wide and coming in the middle. Uh, he had trialed with a couple USL championship sides before this, and then I think he trialed with Madison. And, you know, Coach Shore said that he found them as a great fit, which I assume is for that system. So, yeah, uh, good depth signing for, you know, a team that up until last week was struggling to find any kind of scoring and creativity. Great. Um, well, before we get into week five's action, is there any other, uh, besides the Henny Derby, any other matches from last week that you want to just highlight one or two things from? Or should we? Uh, I just, uh, I'm trying, because that feels so long ago between all these other games, me moving. Um, but and we'll get into it. North Texas, man. I yep. I think I'm ready to hit the panic button. I said last week in another podcast that I wasn't quite ready. Uh now I'm ready. I they they cannot hold a lead to save their life, but yep. we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, and even with Breck Evans back to like try to um to try to shore things up, they're still not that organized back there. Um no. so they, and you they, would they, think they obviously Evans, you, yeah. they would be. Yeah, I mean they have an amazingly potent attack, but um, but yeah, their, their back line's not as good. But you know, in fairness, you know it's not like South Georgia Tormenta. They have two good center backs, and yet, you know, we'll talk about it in a minute. They made a lot of yeah, mistakes too. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I, not, sure, I, not sure why. We both we we see it. <laughs> we see it. Okay, so first in in week five action last Friday was Orlando City B hosting their crosstown rivals. I know everyone's looking for what the name of this, you know, Florida Sunshine or you know Sundown Lightning Derby. I don't know what we want to call it, but the uh, Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Lightning Derby? Yeah, yeah, I don't I know. Like so, it. I like it. Fort Lauderdale CF and Orlando City B. This one certainly was the Lightning Derby because there was a significant rain delay because of lightning, um, if memory serves. And uh, so it was about a two-hour delay. So you got to watch the other match that was going on at the same time and then come back to this one after the 22nd minute. Um, but in in this one, you know, basically, I think it's basically what it was in, in – in, in my my view, it seemed very much like an academy match. Jason, did, did you? Did... I see. I wouldn't say the first half. I was actually very entertained. I thought the first half, uh, both teams looked good, and Orlando created a lot of chances. Uh, and it was uh, Castanhera, Castanhera, who really kept Fort Lauderdale in the game. I think he had like four saves in the first half, and Orlando created like six chances. They looked they looked good. They were pressing, and then what happened was, you know, it was enough for Fort Lauderdale to stay in the game, and then we'll talk about the mistake of a goal. And then the second half, I don't know if it was because of the lightning delay or what, but they came out and no one could connect the pass to save their life, and that's when it looked like, oh, okay, these are a bunch of 16-year-olds playing against each other because the midfield passing was just atrocious. Yeah, not only not only the passing, but they they stopped moving. I mean, maybe they all got tired during the rain delay. Yeah. Like, I'm really not sure. Because, but the um, th- there was no movement, right? So, it, so it, yes, there were no, was no passing, but that passing, I think, in large part, was because the movement was was terrible. There were a lot of guys standing around or or not, uh, you know, not moving off of whoever was uh, was their marker. Um, so there were two goals here. Um, you know, the first one, Wilfredo Rivera uh, scored from uh, Moises uh, Trabant. Who, by the way, 
you know, Trombone is great. Yeah. I mean, he, he's the one player on OCB. I think that, you know, if, if, uh, um, you know, if you had to call out a man of the match for, um, for a match that, that was pretty ugly overall, um, I'd say he was the, the guy. Um, but the, it, when, when you look at this goal, the, the, Basically, they had the they got the ball in possession about twenty five yards out, and Trebontley got the ball and just squares it simply across the box. Rivera, uh, who beats one defender, and is I think he's looking to play the ball through to someone um, up top, but instead it just like kind of rolls into the corner of the goal. So I'm not sure Rivera meant it to was, there, but well, it, it was it was a weird deflection too. Like I think it was a, like a half shot, half pass, and it deflected and it goes off the post. So it's extremely bad luck. Uh, for uh, Castanera because Castanera played great that whole first half, and then that's the goal that gets past you. And as a goalkeeper, I can tell you it's annoying as hell for for that one to be the goal to get past yeah, you. And he was just he was just leaning the wrong way because he probably thought that the shot was going to come to his right. right. He's leaning toward his right, and the ball winds up getting deflected and going. In, uh, but in, uh, but don't, don't sleep uh, on a don't don't sleep on that sixteen year old striker now. He he's, no, he's, yeah he's, Rivera. Yeah. Just has some confidence, and he's been finishing. You know, even go back to the last week's game or the week before that. You know, when Sosa was setting him up with through balls, it, you know, you still got to finish him. And so, for a 16 year old to have the confidence to go in there during his run and finishing those shots, you know, props to him. Yeah, you know, Rivera is, I think, going to be good. I think his issue, and he's young, right? So it's not surprising, but he needs consistency and he just needs, right. he needs probably to, um, you know, get more minutes. And, and this is, of course, the, the, the purpose of Orlando, uh, of Orlando City B, uh, is for that development. So, you know, so those two were, were certainly the, uh, the bright spots, I would say, for Orlando City B, and uh, quite frankly, in both games. Um, right. And, uh, and we'll talk about the other one a little bit later. Uh, but then in the 39th minute, so after the long rain delay, Ricky Espin Lopez, um, uh, basically there's a back pass to, to um, Aviza, and mm. you know he just takes a heavy, heavy touch. And as he takes that touch, Ricky Espin Lopez is smartly just running, running onto it to close him down. And uh, <laughs> you know basically uh, Aviza gets the assist because he kicks the ball off of Ricky Opens, uh, Opez, uh, excuse me, Ricky Espin Lopez's leg. Um, and it just dribbles into the net and then one, one. And that's all she wrote for this game. Yeah. And it's a shame because he was having a good game as well, right? He's been having a good year, in my opinion, for, for someone that has to face that many shots. I think that he's been having, and I even tweeted that he's been, he's been playing well and he's been very good off his line. And literally two minutes after I tweeted it, that happened. So in the second half, it seemed to me that, um, yeah, you know, Orlando city B got very frustrated and was kind of losing it. So, um, well, you know, it, it's also, when, I mean, it was just they couldn't connect like either side. And then when you look at um, Sosa, for instance, with Fort Lauderdale in the second half, uh, they wouldn't let him get going. Fouled him five times. Uh, only had a 52% passing, passing accuracy on both sides, so opposing side and his side. And then he lost possession more than anyone else on the field. And then Orlando would get it and then give it right back. And it was one of those things where it was just like, all right, so this is this is what the rest of this match is gonna be. Yeah. Which is which which kind of stunk because the first half I thought was was exciting. Yeah. Um twenty-nine fouls by uh by Orlando City B. There you go. That's a just, lot with four yellows. Yep. Yep. And and they and Fort Lauderdale had I think they played better in the second half and had chances. And so 
you know, like Sam uh, Guardi, he was in the right spots. He made a lot of good runs, did what he was supposed to do, just couldn't have a final ball, right? Couldn't yeah, they find had, the they had four, four, shots, four shots on target in the second half to uh, OCB's one. So, yep. yeah. Third, 19 crosses in the game between the two teams, only three successful. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, shall we move on to the next match where there were quite a few goals? If hey, you were, we're going from ugly to uglier. Let's, uh, let's do it. Well, it depends on – Depends on right. Depends on who you support. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. There you go. So while you were at the rain delay for the uh, for the match in Florida, uh, back up in I guess it's somewhere the suburbs of Milwaukee uh, was Forward Madison versus South Georgia Tormenta, four um, nil to Forward Madison. Yeah, uh, not a, a good debut for Coach Lars. So I have an honest question for you, Jason. Yes. Who do you like watching more? And I asked this because when I was watching, when I was watching this match, I said, "Okay, so Forward Madison scores their first couple of goals in the in the first half. Um, you know, nice nice counterattack, a lot of you know, you know, a lot of pressing, and and you know these. But who do you like watching more? Because you know, quite frankly, South Georgia Tormenta was playing decent soccer, but they, you know, Madison did a really good job keeping the ball in front of them instead of allowing South Georgia a lot of space to get in behind or to pass through them. Um, so some of those issues that we talked about with some of forwards back line and like the Henny Derby um, seem to have gotten, uh, I don't want to say corrected necessarily hundred percent, but certainly corrected enough that South Georgia wasn't able to, to get that many good looks on goal. Well, in this game, I actually liked watching Ford more. I thought that maybe they might not have gotten as many chances, but the chances that they had reminded me of last year's Ford and looked beautiful. And I thought JC okay, Banks they had a lot of chances and but it was all a lot of it was just fast buildup and right, and- which is what they do. And so in a JC Banks was a beast. And I think because of this new formation where they've got him and Leonard together kind of, you know, sitting above the back line and allows him to move up or come back and pick and choose, he was everywhere. And he won 15 of his 12 duels, had an assist, had six tackles, two interceptions. You know, Eric Leonard, four interceptions, standing tall when he had to stay there back by himself. And when you watch him and even with his assist, that second, that assist that he has, he starts middle and goes wide and beats a defender down the line and then sends the ball in. And so that doesn't happen if he doesn't have that opportunity to roam around, right? If you try to keep him center, if you try to keep him as a number 10 to be, you know, the creative player, he doesn't have, that's not him playing his best. And so when you ask what kind of player JC Banks is, like you show them the tape of this game. And I think he showcases everything that makes him a great player and what makes him unique. Yeah. So what it, it definitely, this definitely looked more like the forward of last year, um, it, you know, in particular getting, getting a lot of good wing play and getting the ball into the, the right and left channels near the touchline. Like that was how a lot of their most promising attacks were built, um, but still very direct. And, uh, right. you know, and we have to talk about Michael Van. Um, Vang train. Yeah. Is it Vang or Vaughn? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm assuming because it's the train, they would do that for the rhyming purposes. So um, I'm, I'm going to assume it's Vang. But okay. I mean, you're asking the second worst name pronouncing person <laughs> in the world. So yeah, I've heard, I've heard it three different ways on, uh, um, on several different. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, so one of the things 
about what I liked about his play, which is, uh, and I think he he is key to allowing what you just talked about with JC Banks, and that's that he's able to hold up the ball. So he doesn't he has the ball glued to his foot, and he's able to let JC Banks roam around while he has the ball in the middle of the of the field. Um, so I think that that's really important to how they're they're trying to play. And I agree with you. It's it's much more like like a. a it's not a four-two-three-one. It's more like it's more like a four-three-three with one holding midfielder and then two column number tens, two attacking midfielders. I would say, and J.C. Banks, uh, I think, is a little bit better as being an attacking midfield midfielder. But they have to, you know, at the same time, they have to move forward quickly, and that's where the pace of Paolo Junior and Don Smart really can show things. I mean, look at Don Smart gets a goal and two assists in this match, and you know, I don't think it's certainly not an accident, but I think that shows the pace. And, and exactly that channel play that they were so effective at last year. And and uh, they, they need to keep this up. I mean, ultimately, they need to, you know, not necessarily experiment because I think they have the right formula, but right. Um, but they have to execute it better than they had the first couple of matches of the well, season. And I think it's a, it's a gelling thing, too, because when you look at, for instance, the second goal, and this might be it right here. Let's see. Look at, yeah, look at Vucic Wojcik hit that hard run, right? And so because of that, he draws in two defenders and open the space for both Smart and Bang to run behind him, and they have that whole box open. And so that's a difference between him jogging and defenders being able to stay within the box in the, or as opposed to closing in closer to goal. And now you've got Don Smart, who you said with the pace and Bang, they're both running neck and neck, right? That ball could have went to either of them. Yep. And so yeah, no, those, if Vang misses, if Vang misses that then it's uh, yes so so you know and it's both the first and the second goal it happens but especially that second goal and so because of that i think it's it's now like like you said they're they're finding form like okay like vucic knows okay i know what to do in these situations now jc banks is like okay i can get wide now and bang can hold back with eric instead of eric being by himself and or me having to stay back um so yeah like you said i think this is their formation. This is good. I think Josiah in the back with uh, with Turbo has looked great. Uh, I don't I don't know if Jalen's going to get his spot back because I think uh, Trimingham has looked incredible this past two games. And I think now if they can keep good flow, and it sucks that J.C. Banks didn't make the trip tonight against Omaha, um, I'm assuming because of an injury, so uh, Eaton plugged in there. But if they can keep this system going – I think you'll start seeing a little bit of last year's forward. Let's talk a little bit about Skelton and Josh Phelps, though. So Skelton, you know, definitely at fault at some level from the uh, for the first goal because he was pressed by uh, by Paolo Jr. Right. Ball's taken away, and then Paolo is able to square the ball back to the uh, um, back to the penalty spot for Vang just to finish. Um, but you know, the, the the two of them don't look like the same players as they were last year. What what do you think they're doing differently? Um, because you know it's it's clearly tormenta is leaking goals and that's yeah. that's been their single biggest problem this season so far i i couldn't even tell you i don't know if it's necessarily you know they started the season with injuries and now they're plugging in different people in front of them and i don't know if that has anything to do with it i don't know if you know on the sides right what missing missing antley and then plugging in reese and then maybe they don't play the exact same i don't know but they, I mean, when you look at that third goal, uh, or I'm sorry, the fourth goal, the final goal, when Don Smart just put a through ball past the whole defense, they just looked defeated, right? They just looked like they didn't know where anyone wanted to be. No one went to slide tackle to try to 
get in the passing lane. Yeah, I just don't – I think it's an organizational thing. I don't think that maybe they have the right – you know, the right players that they want for the right back line. I don't know. It, it's tough because like you said, it's, it's day and night, especially like Phelps. I loved Phelps last year. Right. And just this year, he's just not playing the same way he did last year. So one thing that I noticed is that the back line, and I think maybe Tormenta is trying to get their, their, um, their outside backs even too high because they seem to the center backs seem to be needing to cover much more ground. And, and maybe that's because Connor Antley isn't there and Connor Antley could get up and down very quickly um, for, for them as uh, like, you know, last year he was able to defend great. And obviously he got a lot of accolades for his attack, but he was also a very solid defensive back. And when he went forward, they basically held, you know, uh, they held the other outside back, um, you know, whether it was Arslan or whoever was uh, was on the left side, um, they would uh, they would hold them back. So you'd had three in the back. So I feel like maybe the big problem is is the space that's afforded when you basically only have two guys on an island out there. Absolutely, um, so they need to Tormenta needs to very very quickly um, turn that turn this around yeah. because the fact Part is, is that, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just going to say like if they don't turn this around basically and get you know, seven points from their next three games, um, they're going to have they're Yeah. They're going to be totally done. It, when you go look at that third goal, you see it perfectly where Don smart gets it on the side and then you have three backs and one person trailing for Ford. Right. So it's a three, v, three V two. And I don't know which back it was, but you have one up on Don, you have one, you know, tracking the runner and then you have the other one in limbo in between and he's not coming up and necessarily putting pressure on don but he's also not tracking back to you know try to you know head away the cross and that's where i'm saying i think that's the lack of communication and flow of the back line that they had you know that they didn't have last year there's something not going on correctly with it and like you said maybe it is because they're high now they're facing new you know, issues that they didn't last year, but uh, yeah, you can see it in these goals to where it's not like these teams are scoring goals because they're fantastic goals, which I mean, some of them are, but I'm saying, like you said, they're spacing, nobody's marking the person they're supposed to be marking. I just think there's a lot of issues going on in the back. Right. So shall we move on to the next match, Jason? Let's do it. All right, so we're going to talk about the first match on Saturday, or at least the first match that I have in my show notes from Saturday. It is the Richmond Kickers hosting FC Tucson. This one ended with the Kickers scoring two and FC Tucson getting one late. And I know Elliot and Chenier apparently don't have any more fingernails because they bit them all down. thinking maybe Richmond was going to drop two points at the very end. Akira Fitzgerald comes up big. And, uh, you know, for me, I have to say, like, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of talking points out of this game on both sides of the ball. But for me so far, Akira Fitzgerald is my leading contender for goalkeeper of the year so far. Yeah, I don't hate that. I think that, you know, when I look at goalkeepers and the only person I'd argue with is, you know, with Dallas J, I look at, who's making the big saves that win games and Akira made saves at the end that won that game. Right. And Dallas J did the same thing. And we'll talk about in their game against Chattanooga, but yeah, I, I wouldn't hate you for that pick at all. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, I think actually Richmond probably could have had a couple of uh, could have had a couple more goals in this game for sure. Um, and I want to give a, a shout out to someone. I said this on Twitter, but um, and and I'm not saying this because I know the guy, but I think Scott Thompson deserves a huge shout out in this game because he won't show up on the score sheet. But basically, um, there were three goals that he basically saved Richmond. So, firstly, um, he was brought down for the um, that for the uh, for the foul that ultimately led to the, the Richmond's first goal on the second goal, he made an overlapping run and crossed the ball into the mixer, got the ball into the quarter of uncertainty, it bounced around and Richmond scored what ultimately was the winner. And then he also cleared the ball off the line for the second time in three weeks. Um, so basically saved three goals for Richmond and, you know, the guy doesn't show up anywhere, but for me, he was the man of the match because without his effort on the day, uh, Richmond doesn't win this game. Well, I think that's the difference of this year's defense and last year's defense is those players are stepping up, right? You look at Ivan and Elliot mentioned that Ivan might be the most improved player, you know, in the league. And I can't argue with that, right? Ivan was huge in this game. Uh, seven clearances, uh, 11 passes in the opponent's half, including five accurate long balls. So he's not only doing it defensively, he's starting attacks as well with good long diagonals. I, I can't, I think that last year, with the constant change in the back line and whether Akwe was going to play back or go up to the mid and then, you know, what was going on with injuries with Shanovsky yeah, playing center back instead of a better exactly. position for him. Sure. So you got Venter solid position and now you've got Ivan solid. And it'll, you know, once you have that duo figured out, it allows so much more for your defense to just figure it out and gel better together. And you know, wh where Scotty needs to be, where Akwe needs to be, et cetera. And, and so, Ian Antley too. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it allows both of them a lot more freedom, unlike what's going on in Tormenta, right? It's like, it's exactly the opposite, the opposite of yep. what's going on. in Tormenta. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, sure. And so, yeah. Um, I, I just thought, you know, they, they look great defensively, especially that first half. My God, they, a 70% tackle rate and they only lost three tackles the whole game read the ball well, 13 interceptions, and it's not just a player or two, right? It's the whole team, right? you got midfielders. You've got, you know, the back line. Riley Kraft is everywhere. Riley Kraft is going to show up in nightmares of half of this league because he's constantly in their face throughout the games. He's just been everywhere. And, yeah, when you have a solid back line, you allow your midfielders to do that. Yep. So, so we quickly go through the goals. Uh, the, the first goal by the Richmond kickers was in the eighth minute. So uh, like I mentioned, Scotty Thompson was brought down just outside the box near the corner of the penalty area on the left side. And Wape takes a uh, out swinging left footed uh, driven free kick about, it was about seven feet high. And, uh, and, and Ivan uh, just, you know, head does out jumps everyone else and yeah. hits it perfectly with his head there to the far post. Three center backs that scored. The past week, and then uh, uh, yeah, center backs are our new strikers. We don't, we don't. Need, uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's it's someone who some people might not like these days. Said uh, you know, set pieces, set pieces, set pieces, and at <laughs> least in, in at least in that particular uh, saying, he's not wrong. No, um, everything else though, yes, yeah, <laughs> Fair literally enough. everything else. Forty <laughs> second um, minute. Uh, so Riley Kraft, you just mentioned him. He gets an assist for Terzaghi, and uh, again, Scotty Thompson makes an interior instead of an overlapping run. He makes an underlapping run, and uh, and he's uh, he's found in the channel. And Wape is at the touchline, just finds Scotty making that underlapping run. Scotty Thompson, you know, gets the ball across the six into the corner 
corridor of uncertainty. The ball's bouncing around. Riley Kraft, I think, just kind of – I don't think he meant to actually pass it. I think he was just saying, okay, get it, toe poke it toward goal. <laughs> and, and then Trezaghi makes this great no-look. Like, look, I'm not a basketball guy. I don't pretend to be. But I know there's this thing like a turnaround jumper. It was mm-hmm. almost like a turnaround jumper. I mean, let's face it. I don't – know if, if there's scouting awards uh but richmond deserves it for tazagi i don't know how they I, like like we said i questioned who was going to score goals for them and he said oops pal surprise i thought he was going to be more of a facilitator but he's another one he might get three good chances during the game and he puts away two of them and that's all richmond needs with the defense they have so yeah. shout out to the scouting department out there because they they've got probably the best international or at least signing free agent signing in the off season. So let's talk about this too. So, so the crap stat possession, Richmond only had 35% possession during this match. You don't need it. Yeah. Yet they had 14 shots, six on target compared to, uh, uh, compared to Tucson's 11 shots with three on target. So it's where you win the ball, man. It's easier to get a shot when you are only 50 yards away from your goal and not the whole field. So very true. All right. And then uh, Tucson does pull one back uh, just to give some agita to our friends over at river city 93. Let me, and let me tell you right now, Tucson last 20 minutes of Tucson soccer is the most exciting soccer to watch in USL league one. Yeah, it's true. What was the the stat the announcer uh, mentioned? I think it was something like they've scored four goals in the, well now four goals in the last, in the last 15 minutes or something. Yeah. So they, they like to score late. <laughs> yeah. Logan comes in. He's always a hassle. And then I think Tucson offensively is a good team. I'm not like Richmond as great as they were defensively. Tucson had their chances and very well could have walked out of here with a point. And so, you know, they have explosive players. Shaq Adams, if they somehow can get Shaq Adams, Charlie Dennis, and Eric Bergen all in the field at the same time and make that midfield work i'm buying a jersey because that's that's a just a, a offensive juggernaut right the I, 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 wonder, I wonder if they had if they had been able to keep um uh jordan jones if if him and shaq adams as a duo up top in a 442 would have been great yeah yeah because because i mean and and liadi is like he almost had a hat trick yesterday so he knows he can put the ball in the net i just think what it is is their defense doesn't allow them to get in the chance, like to get the chances that Richmond is, for instance, yeah. right? Like when Richmond is winning the ball, they can put up 14 shots because their defense and their midfield is giving them the chances. I don't think Tucson has that. And so Tucson doesn't usually see much of the ball. And, you know, for them to have that much possession this game and not really have any offense to show for it, that shows you why, right? Yeah. They're, they, they're keeping it in their own half. Yeah, I thought Charlie Dennis was was okay in this game, and we know he's a solid League One player. Um, and you know, we'll, so I want to bring it up later, compare it to last game because I think the issue is they had Charlie up top for some of these games, and you know they brought him yeah. on late in this one, and he doesn't need to be up top. He he's needs not really to be a striker. in that midfield. Yeah. Like he created the second most chances in the league, or was it the most chances in the league last year for a reason? And uh, yeah. Uh, yesterday he proved it right. He he yep. killed it yesterday. So yeah, he did really played really well. 
Um, as they're figuring it out, right? The, I think the the missing piece with Tucson is the defense, but this is a team I think that I thought Tormenta was going to be as far as putting in three goals, four goals a game, and then allowing two, three goals. And so, right. I, if Tucson can play the last, like the, the whole game, the way they play the last twenty minutes, they're going to be fun to watch. Uh, so on this last goal, the one thing I would like to say is uh, Shaq Adams probably stole, stole Charlie Dennis's goal because uh, <laughs> Charlie Charlie wound up getting the ball like inside the penalty area, winds up beating a couple of guys, and Shaq Adams was to me inexplicably running right next to Charlie, and the the ball's right there, and he just t- takes the uh, it takes the shot instead of Charlie. I mean, Charlie was happy about it, so he wasn't upset, obviously. But <laughs> this is a Shaq Adams uh, stand account and i will never say anything negative about that boy so <laughs> I, hey he he got on the score sheet right and charlie dennis yeah. still got on the score sheet too so yeah. all right uh so anything else on this match or shall we move on how i know i i might be i might be asking the wrong person since you said that they were going to the championship but is richmond re like are we talking richmond being in that top three or are they just out of it? And I think based on what I've seen so far, they're a top four team. Right. Um, the question is, can they be consistent enough, I think, to be able to get enough points to get that number two spot where I had them? Okay. Um, you know, that's, you know, obviously to be seen. But I, I think, you know, I, I think if you're if you're a Richmond fan, you have to be pleased with the Trezaghi signing. You have to be pleased with the way Darren Sawatsky is having the back line play this year. I think the Kyle Ventner signing is great because you know you know the problem was last year Kyle had a different center back partner every single match you know they'd get a different player down from from Phoenix and uh, you know he had to play with someone else and now you know he he and Ivan together seem to be able to you know not always lock it down but certainly um, certainly they have a better chemistry I think defensively than uh, um, than you had last year for, for Richmond. I just fear, and I'm not saying anything negative because I don't need Joey G's ghost to come at me again, but I just fear like with Chattanooga last year, right, when these teams are are winning 1-0, 2-1, and then they're parking the bus and you know having these defensive nail biters for the last 20 minutes, because we have a short season, if you don't, like if, if you slip and you have two or three of those games to where you drop those two points because you allow a late goal. That's the difference between you being a top two, top three team and a fourth, fifth place team. Yeah, fair. But I, I don't see at this point, I don't see any, you know, for example, two team coming ahead of Richmond. Gotcha. Right. So that means that they're, they're a top half team. Right. right. I, I agree. I agree. I just didn't know if they were contending top. I think they could, because I think when you look at, when you look at the other teams, like in Omaha and a Chattanooga and a Chattanooga, you're talking about the same issues, right? Like it's, you know, it's, it's not as lockdown defense as you'd like. And at the same time, you know, you slip up, one of those teams slip up, right? So it's the team that's more, most consistent. It, that's going to wind up in that number two spot, right? That, right. I think it's that simple. Um, okay. and, and, you know, we, we've seen some of the, um, you know some of the drawbacks even even of of uh, of Omaha. So, um, all right, shall we move on to the Greenville Triumph, who scored a single goal against the Chattanooga Red Wolves, who scored no goals. 
No, they did not. Even though it looked like for a lot of the game, they were. Game Chattanooga, Chattanooga. You know, Chattanooga had uh, uh, you know had their own fair number of chances. Actually, they outshot Greenville thirteen to seven. Um, they had and they had one more shot on goal. They were there were only five shots on goal this whole game. It felt like there was a lot more though for some reason, Jason. I, yeah, I don't know exactly I, what that was. I think a big part of it was the number of crosses that came in. Because there were there were thirty five crosses in this game, and the goalkeepers wound up touching the ball quite a lot. Well, there was also a lot of good plays, and I think this is one of them, right? Where, like, for instance, like Carries gets the ball, shoots it inside the box, and it doesn't go on goal. And so things like that look like they should be counted as shots on goal, but because they don't hit the net, they are. Or they don't. Yeah, hit that's the that's fair. Yet, that's so. fair. It was an entertaining game for sure. Yeah, I listen. Chattanooga looks good. Uh, I mean, Greenville obviously looks good, right? We said in the beginning we thought this was going to be their season to lose, and it looks like that's what it is, right? They look like they've solidified what they want to do. They do it well, and, you know, I don't see them slipping. And if they do, it's not going to be anything lower than second place. So, in my opinion, Greenville's a shoe-in. But, listen, Chattanooga, nine shots in the first half, that was the most that Greenville has faced this whole season in one half and the second most was against Madison who had six on them and none of them on target. <laughs> After right. that, it's only four. So Chattanooga came out and looked good. They dominated. I thought those, that first 15, you know, minutes, they, they looked really good. Greenville only had two shots and a one key pass in the first half, uh, you know, played very defensively. Uh, the, I thought the, Chattanooga midfield were winning their battles and dominating. And yeah, for, like I said, up until the second half, I thought this was a game that Chattanooga was going to win. Yeah, that, that wouldn't have surprised us. Obviously, you know, they didn't have a ton to do taking on shots, but both Mangles and Jay looked pretty good in the back. Oh, yeah. You know, and it wasn't only it wasn't only uh, the shot stopping, but it was also the organ- organizing of the back line, which we know is something that, you know, Dallas Jay uh, does quite a lot of. But but I think Mangles, I saw him yelling at his uh, his back line quite a lot, too. And, and props to, you know, for Chat to have a brand new defense. We see a lot of teams struggling this year in this league with brand new defenses, but you know, Chattanooga's their back line has looked pretty good. You know, and as the season progressed, they they look better each and every week. So, you know, shout out to them um, because, as you know, as well as Mangles was the one they keep them in the game consistently every game last year. He hasn't had to really do that, um, and so knock on wood, he won't have to. You know, that back line's been looking good. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about the goal, which happened late in the second half. Because like you said, you know, I, I thought this was either going to be like a nil-nil draw or or maybe Chattanooga was going to sneak one. But Greenville started to pick things up in the last 30 minutes of the match or so. Yep. And in the 71st minute, um, uh, Lachlan McLean uh, got a, got uh, scored from Alex Morrell. There was a bad uh, pass backward by Chattanooga. It was picked up by Morrell uh, at the far touchline around 40 yards from goal. Morrell takes on two defenders. But it starts to be closed down, so he can't go to goal. Winds up making a really nice outside of the right foot pass. It was beautiful. Right across yeah. The box. yeah, Alex Morrell is an impressive an impressive player for sure. Best offseason pickup for sure. Yeah. And uh, so, so he was one v two. So he just got rid of the ball, and and McLean was right there. Um, it was really quite a quite an awkward finish, right? So if if he hits that incorrectly, it probably goes back across goal. But instead, McLean redirects it with the uh, inside of his right foot toward the right 
far post. Um, so interesting redirection. And and if he had left it, J.J. Donnelly was wide open. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I mean, there was no one within 10 yards of J.J. Donnelly. Right. So he could have right. taken three touches and probably still still been, been able to get a shot off. So, yeah, and, uh, yeah, but, so great, and, great, great um, you know, pressing and counterattack by uh, by Greenville there. In that yeah, game. and, you know, as as much as I credited, you know, Chattanooga's back line, that was the – the one big mistake they made all game and Greenville made them pay. And that's why Greenville is at the top of the league, right? You can't give them any chances, right? Yeah. If you like Chattanooga had to play perfectly to pretty much have a zero, zero game against them. So the fact that they had one mistake and that's what made them lose, that just shows you why Greenville's at the top of the table. Um, I do think the big difference in the second half though the same way that you have Scotty on your, uh, maybe we need to make like a uh, team of the week for players who impact the game and their team, but didn't make the team of the week because they didn't score a goal or they didn't get an assist. Oh, yeah. well, we, we used to do that last year, right? We used to. Yeah, say, we need to uh, yeah. do that. Who, who else is, should be on this list? It's not. Yeah. Noah Pilato. Oh yeah, that's he killed yeah. it. Won nine of his ten duels. Had two huge game-saving tackles in that second half won every single aerial duel. I think it was five or six of them. And then the the, the tackles that he saved were game-saving. But if you look, he's also the one that causes the turnover in Chattanooga's back line for that game-winning goal. Uh, he was incredible. And all this, all his tackles, all his interceptions, all of his all his defensive blocks came in the second half. So and and that includes six of the nine duels that he won. So got, he got better as the game went on. Yeah, he I think was the big difference, right? He allowed for Greenville to get those chances, and when you give Greenville chances, they don't miss. So shout out to Noah. All right, we got a couple more games, and then to preview next week's, and uh, so just moving the order here. North Texas hosted the New England Revolution 2, so two MLS2 teams playing against each other down in Arlington, Texas. North Texas scores three. New England Revolution 2 scores also three. I really thought New England played the better game, and I think that they probably deserve to win this, but North Texas's attack, you cannot lay down on them at all. So neither team played particularly impressive defensively at all both sides showed that they uh, still have strong attacks um you know I, i'm not sure that any of the two teams are going to be in the top four jason i i just can't see it based on how defensively poor a lot of these teams seem to be yeah no nah, it's i mean <laughs> you know you know, who, you know who has the best goals. chance you know who has the best chance is Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> that's at the like, moment. I'm, that's being, true. I'm being dead serious. I like out of all the two teams, I'm looking at Fort Lauderdale to be the one, especially if they continue to get better as the season goes on. But yeah, I'm, I've officially hit the panic button on North Texas. I don't know what is going on. Uncharacteristic mistakes from the keeper, the back line, and I, I don't know if it's dealing with you know the two teams that have younger players and they're pressing more. And now that they don't, you know, like you said, last year it used to be death by a thousand passes. They don't have that this year. They've now dropped 10 points in their last three games because they've allowed goals in the in the last 15 minutes in three games straight. That is the complete opposite of what North Texas did last year. If you had, if North Texas had the lead in the last 15 minutes of a game oh, last year, yeah. I turned the game off because there was nothing else to see. And now it's like, oh, well, North Texas might actually lose or draw this game now. Yeah. 
Um, so this was a six goal thriller. So we should probably talk a little bit about the goals. Um, so th- the first goal was in the fourth minute. North Texas goes up early. Uh, there's a free kick from just uh, inside the D and uh, Thomas Roberts, you know, shoots and it's a nice shot, but yeah. you know, I don't know how the wall was placed because the wall should have really had it like where, where it went. So it went to the we, left we side of the wall. Trump supporters in Florida, they build a better wall, but yeah. <laughs> even in Texas. You mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well they, you remember Thomas Roberts, uh, maybe the Texas, way around the wall. Texas. Texas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 16th minute though, new England revolution Two tie it up. There's a terrible clearance by the keeper and, uh, and Nick Firmino gets the ball right at the top of the 18 and easily finishes. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, obviously it was miskicked and that those things happen, but by professional goalkeepers, it's pretty rare. And it's a, it's a, again, it's something that you, we would never expect from North Texas. No. And, and yeah, never. Um, yeah. You know, they have a lot of, a lot of depth. So, you know, they, you know, last year for the finals, they called down their, you know, the backup keeper from the first team. To, right. <laughs> to Which, but, but for last year, I feel like their keeper, was pretty much the consistent keeper for most of the year. No, Abelez was solid. I mean, he, he, you know, he played, I think, 22 matches for them. And he, um, you know, he was, you know, I, I don't recall him making any major gaffes, right? Like, you know, maybe there was right. one or two goals that he maybe shouldn't have let in. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that there was there was nothing like this, right? So, yeah. for sure. So, I, I don't know what's going through their head. Maybe it's the new field that they're not playing up in Frisco they, anymore. They're, they go on Hollywood. They want a championship. They got their own field now. They, yeah, they're, they've gone Hollywood. And, uh, but props to New England in this game because you go down early against North Texas and you know the kind of offense they have in New England as a new team, you know, and, and even with the coach as well, like you kind of feel like, okay, maybe we need to play a little more defensively because if we allow North Texas to go up 2-0, this is not a game we want to chase, but they didn't, you know, they were still pressing and that's what helped them, you know, get that first goal from a goalkeeper mistake. Yeah. I mean, so, so, I mean, New England came back twice, right? So North Texas scored the first, New England, the second, and then North Texas, the third, Ronaldo Damas does what Ronaldo Damas does, right? He out jumps everyone from a, uh, from a corner kick. Uh, if you're watching on, uh, on our stream right now, you're about to see it. So just a great, Corner kick yeah. and and Ronaldo Damas just outjumps everyone else uh, for goal number goal number two for North Texas. Yeah, uh, I don't. It, it's I, it's just it's so weird. Like the fact that you have Ronaldo Damas and he there has were four goal. white jerseys around him. Yeah, yeah, four, and no one thought to nudge him or or just stand right yeah. in front of him. Right, it's <laughs> like it's like you have the Golden Boot winner in the box with you, and it's just like yeah, why is he not? Why are you not tying his yeah. shirt? With your he's, shirt, he's to make be, yeah, he's got to be man marked, right? He definitely has to be man marked. But anyway, um, so learn it's, it's something for the New England Revolution two guys to learn. Um, but in the fifty eighth minute, New England does get the uh, the equalizer. So this was a great shot. Uh, so um, I, I got another name that I'm not going to be able to pronounce well, but um, it's uh, Mandanka. Is that his name? Uh, he presses Damis for the ball out on the left touch line. So Damis just totally loses the ball and uh, it takes it himself, takes on three defenders and he gets the ball uh, to around the touchline and he squares it to um, he's to Isaac and King who just taps it home and, yeah. uh, and we're at two, two. 
Anking Anking was incredible this game. Like yeah. you talk about a spark that I mean, because he's the one too that. Well, well, we'll get into the so, goal. So but homegrown like, homegrown signing for uh, New England Revolution is that correct? I believe so. I think and, he is, yeah. And so he he changed it, um, and then great finishing, right? Yeah. It's one of those things to where like a lot of teenagers come on there and they skyrocket that. We've seen OCB do it for almost two years now. We've seen a lot of two teams do it, but he had the composure to finish that. It was a great goal. Yeah. Um, and then he actually, uh, Anking gets the, uh, gets the, well, it, w- the go ahead goal in the 79th minute that it was a 25 yard stunner. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, goal of the weakness. No, early, I think I'm talking about that as my, oh, yeah, 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 I think I'm switching my goals. His, but, yeah. His second goal, the, the first goal was, was just a tap in, but yeah, that, that the shot was from about 25 yards out on his left foot, upper right-hand corner of the crazy. It was postage stamp quality. Um, but the, the buildup to this goal was, was really interesting too, because you had, I think they're brothers, right? The, uh, uh the uh, Fujiwara brothers. Uh, So one of them brings down, they both came on as substitutes in this game. One brings down the ball with his chest to his brother, who then, uh, who then passes the ball over to Ann King, who uh, just takes it, takes a touch with his right foot onto his left and, and hits the, uh, hits the ball. um, You know, you know who else used to have brothers and used to be good. Who's that? North Texas. Oh, that's true. Now they only have one brother. Yeah. You can't break up the brothers. That's the rule. I mean, you look at the cousins in Greenville with the Muhammad's, right? You can't. That's a rule. If you have family on a team, don't that's break the them up. Chemistry. I mean, it's your genes. You're about to lose the the two two teams in two weeks if you do that. So yeah, there you go. Uh, but North Texas does come away with a point because in the 92nd minute, your man Batista, your man Batista, that winds up getting an assist by accident. A hundred. Why you gonna say on that? It's such a great goal. If you have not seen this goal, you have to see the highlights for this goal. So the ball comes down uh, the right hand, the right hand channel gets uh, gets crossed into the box, and I think it got headed by Alex Bruce. Um, oh yeah, it definitely it, does. It, it, so Alex Bruce heads the ball, hits off of Batista's head, back of Batista's head, who's not even looking at the ball. And Alex Bruce somehow or another gets it home. It was really entertaining, but yeah, um, it's it's one of those uh, goals to where someone asks, "What's the quality of League One like?" I would bury this. I would delete it completely off the internet, <laughs> scorch it from ever existing. Because if somebody retweets it, it's going to hurt my feelings. I don't feel like going through that. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, in in fairness, it does show you the why you know coaches, including myself, always say get the ball into that dangerous area, right? Yeah, because you never know, right? Like if the ball's inside the six yard box. There's always the chance that you, you know that you can score, and, and I feel for New England to to drop points on that kind of a goal. The, yeah, it's true, but at the same time, like you know, no no one they, they had two guys right on the uh, um, right on Bruce and Batista, and no one was covering them. Right, so well, you had one guy on Batista. The issue, right? You you exactly. They, North Texas had a two on one, and you had a guy. In between, it's just that Batista is eight feet taller than him, and he right. can't really do much and do much about it. Um, but it was also one of those things too, to where North Texas, if this game 
had two more minutes of extra time, I have I have a feeling North Texas would have won this game because those last ten minutes or so after after New England went up, North Texas was relentless. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know they if they subbed it, in all they, their attackers. Yeah, they and they started to and they started to to press more, right? So they 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 definitely were less conservative at the end, but they were chasing the game and they had to be, right? That's yeah. I mean, the fact is they they did come away with a point, which is better than no, no points, right? Right. All right. So last uh, last night, because we're recording this Wednesday night on Tuesday night, uh, Orlando City B hosted FC Tucson. The score. Ended up initially, you, you know, in the beginning of the game, I thought, oh, this might actually be an interesting kind of match. I thought this was going to be uh, one of the most exciting games of the week. I was yeah. like, well, okay. there were still five goals. OCB scored one, which is what on, I expected on a penalty <laughs> kick, and FC Tucson scored four. Yeah. So I didn't expect that to happen. And then the way it all happened, this game was over quick. Yeah, I mean, you know, the second half was got tedious. I mean, I have to admit, I turned it off after about ten. Um, I turned it off. <laughs> I mean, FC Tucson at that point didn't really seem to care all that much, and just everyone didn't want to get hurt. And you know, they tra- they've been traveling and on the road for weeks now, so uh, they probably just like, look, we'll, we'll just close this yeah. down. Um, so all the goals were in the first half. Um, OCB did have a number of chances in the second half. Um, yeah, you know, so so you know, they didn't totally give up. Um, but uh, the, the fact was, you know, after the 26th minute, it seemed like it was just going to be over. Um, I, interestingly, and I, I didn't expect this. So after Tucson had that 65% possession, they only had 45% possession in this game. And a big part of the reason for that was in the second half, they gave OCB possession. Yeah, I was, you're up, you're up three goals was our four goal, whatever. Well, like, what's the point, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not going to exhaust myself. Like you said, they have to travel back and get ready for their next game. Like, you know, get the, get the starters out there, get them some rest and, you know, just make sure you don't like play secure. Don't make sure you don't blow the game, get called up too high. So yeah. Yeah. yeah OCB had, uh, had six shots in the second half. Um, all of them were off target. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it, it was like, Oh yeah. Cause OCB for a while, we were like, wait a second, did they turn a leap? And then it was like, oh no, this is the OCB we're used to. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, we we could go through we could go through the goals because I know you want to talk about Shaq Adams who had a brace of assists. You know, know, just to save time, I will say this: Charlie Dennis in the midfield has to be in the midfield. Allow him to be the pivot, dictate what happens. Right, you. He's so I know like they they don't they don't necessarily know what they wanted to do with their number, you know, up top with their number nine or so they were having him higher up. But you got Liotti. He's shown that he can score some goals, score two and in this game. And he's fast. He's, his, yes. his acceleration is top notch. I mean, but, you know, he's not fast either, he, either that or OCB is just really, really slow, which I which cool. they're not. But, you know, right. who he's not faster than the Shaq Adams. The Shaq, Shaq Adams, no. That second goal. From where Charlie Dennis, I think it was, just kind of hands off the ball to Shaq Adams, like yeah. an eye formation in the NFL, and Shaq just hits the hits the end line on a on an HB sweep and just just 
I mean, he beats everybody. It's yeah. cra- he literally gets to the side, waits for two players to catch up, and then beats them down the line into the box and was like, all right, I'll go ahead and cross this now. It's- I, even, I even wrote in the show notes for that goal in the 21st minutes, that one we're talking about if you're watching the, uh, watching the match. But uh, Adam, I wrote, Adams is fast. And he keeps the ball under control while yeah. he's running, you know? So it's like, you know, that's the important bit here is that it's not only that he's fast to get into space, but he's able to keep the ball on his feet. And that's, that's the sign of a really good player. So, you know, I, I don't know how long Jack Adams is going to be for league one, but um, no, you know, when I, when he signed, I tweeted that he won't be here long. He's, he it's he's too good for this league. Like you said, it's not even just the speed, it's the way he holds on to the ball, and it's the way that he he makes other players around him better because he draws in so much attention, right? Like it's one to get the ball down the side, get to the end line and cross it. But what he does is he'll get the ball, get to the end line, and then go in and beat you down into the box. So now the goalkeeper has to come near post, and he leaves the whole middle of the box wide open for a pass to which he can make accurately. So I, like I said, you get Charlie, Shaq, and Eric on the field at the same time consistently. I'm buying a Tucson kit immediately because I think this is a fun team. It's a shame that you know they they couldn't score and grab some points in Richmond because they really needed those points just because of a short season and because of how competitive that two spots going to be. Um, but you know if they can work out their defense, regardless, I think they'll be a fun team to watch this yeah. year. For sure. So, so just to give props to Shaq Adams, and you know, we we noted him as uh, maybe one of our other players. Uh, you know, he, I think it was he player of the week. I I, I hate to say that I didn't really pay attention. Let me let me look up on that. So I know he made team of the week, um, but he uh, he did oh, get. Was he player of the week? No, I don't think he was. Player. No, he wasn't player of the week because yeah. this week is a, this might be a week six game actually. So uh, early yeah. contender maybe for weeks right. player of the week. Right. Um, you know, he had, had two assists and a goal in this match. So, um, and and I would argue that he had the key pass that created Charlie Dennis's assist in the for the first goal for uh, for Tucson. Yeah, but let's um, not uh, that Charlie Dennis pass, man. That, I mean, yeah. everything you need to know, like why does he need to be in the midfield? Just look because even the way he receives the ball and does the little shoulder dip is beautiful. It's just a yeah. beautiful play. Yeah, Charlie. I mean, we saw him do that last year too. Right. Yeah. So why change that? Right. Put him in the midfield and let him do what he needs to do. And like you said, now I think with if they if Liotta consistently starts up top and keeps finishing the way he does, I think they'll be fine because I think uh, now they've got a system that works. I think uh, Elliotton. I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. Is is a really good player. You want to talk about players? I think are too good for this league. He's incredible, and I don't I don't know. Uh, if he requires a green card because he's Brazilian, I don't know if he he's fr- he's American product, but yeah, uh, he, he might be worth the international slot. He he's been a consistent piece for Tucson every game. Yep. All right. Uh, so shall we preview this week's matches? Um, there's two matches going on right now, or actually, they probably just ended as we're recording here at 10 p.m. Eastern time on uh, on Wednesday. I don't want to know the score. I, I have. Okay. Now, I'm going to go back on my ESPN Plus and, and and go watch them. I know that there were some goals in some of them. What, uh, uh, what's your predictions? My predictions. Uh, let's see. So the first game is uh, – who's Fort Lauderdale playing? Fort Lauderdale's playing – North Texas. North Texas. I'm going to say that that ends up being a draw. Uh, okay. Multi-goal draw, like 2-2 or something, just like we okay. saw. And the other – 
Omaha and Ford Madison. Ooh, Omaha's at home, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to give that to Omaha, probably close, like one nil or two one, something like that. Okay. Anyway, um, I just did this so people, you know, when they're listening, can can laugh. Can can laugh because uh, okay. you're not you're not bad. You're not bad. I'm saying those are like for someone who is not watching the games, it like those are two very good. Yes. See, Jason I'm can not, multitask. Like, like, that's what you have to understand. Jason is the millennial who can multitask, and I'm a Gen Xer who has to focus on what he's doing all the time. So, listen, man, um, I'm, I'm getting old. I, I need glasses now. I didn't have to ever. My eyesight was fine, and then I hit thirty, and everything just starts I, falling. Uh, apart. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, my, my daughter is the only one in my household who does not have glasses, and I didn't need glasses till I was thirty-eight, and then I kept on leaving them everywhere, and I sat on them once. It was really bad. <laughs> nice. Anyway, uh, so let's preview this week's match. Matches because I don't think people want to uh, necessarily hear about uh, about yeah. our woes or generation. You, you've got you've got some Gen X uh, as well. So. <laughs> there we go. Thanks, Joey. Yeah. I appreciate that. Joe, yeah. Joey's got your back. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this coming Friday, seven p.m. Eastern time, the New England Revolution two host the Richmond Kickers. Kickers on the road up to uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts. Um, uh, this could be an interesting match. I mean, I don't know how Richmond's going to play on the turf. Um, yeah, I can't gonna... read it. This is the one match I'm like, I don't know how to read this. When they sent it to us on the Pick'em this week, I stared at it for about 20 minutes and was like, I don't know. So I went with a draw. I, I, think, I think I did too. Yeah, yeah. actually, I'm looking I, at a one-one draw. I, I don't shoot. I don't remember what I made my lock. I might have made that draw as my lock. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I I wouldn't hate that because it's just. It's one of those games to where you feel like, yeah, like even though both of these teams seem to be streaking at the right time, they're kind of not the same team, but they have very similar ways as to where they can both shut it down and they can both surprise you on an attack. And so I think the first half is going to be them feeling out each other and then maybe you see a goal piece in the second half. What was interesting is if you go back to that first game for New England Revs too, you know, they, they didn't look very sharp and stuff, but they, they seem to have, you know, maybe gelled a little bit now that they've gotten maybe a little butterflies out of their stomach. I mean, yeah. you're an expansion team, right? Obviously being a two team is, is also a little bit awkward sometimes, um, but they – um, they, they seem to have gotten into a little bit of a rhythm. So, well, and I think up top is a difference too. I think, you know, at first it was Orlando Sinclair for the first two weeks and now he's coming off the bench. And so they realize maybe he's not the answer for that formation. And uh, they're able to bring in these young kids who are able to spread out the back lines and allow them to have more room in the attack. And so that might be the way instead of just going through a cross down the side or a through ball. Right. All right, and then on Saturday, 1 p.m., so because there's no lights in at Chattanooga's new home, they are uh, um, moving the times around. They've moved all of the starting times around for the Chattanooga Red Bulls game. Why you got to put people in the heat, man? It's, like, just get some lights. Well, I'm sure that they're in the cards. You know, they, yeah. they, I mean, the stadium is like one-third built. They have the field, and they have like half the stands. Yeah. So so they have the bare minimum to be able to play. Um so 1 p.m., the porta potties might not smell so great too in the middle of the day there. <laughs> Chattanooga Red Wolves versus South Georgia Tormenta. Um, you know, interesting match. I mean, a, a derby, I, I would just guess I would call it, right? It's not, not too I mean, it's, it's always entertaining when they play each other. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give it that. I got to give this to Chattanooga, though. Yeah. I mean, Tormenta has not been in good form. Yeah. Um, I hate to say that. I'm sorry, Ch- Tormenta. I love everything you guys have been doing off the field, but your on field performance right now. 
has a little and, bit to be desired. And polar opposites for the defense to where every week Chattanooga's is looking a little so bit better, better, better yep. than Ford's yep. isn't. And so I do think Ford will still keep it competitive because Tormenta. they do have offensive – I mean, Tormenta, I'm sorry, because <laughs> they do have uh, offensive power, right? Like yeah. Nicoletto, he only needs a little bit of space. If you can or Mike Broken's off the bench. Right. You know, he can Pato hit can come off the bench on, on set pieces. He can yeah. come in. So it's it's – it won't be a blowout, but it is hard for me to see Tormenta pulling a, a, a win. You know, it, I, I, a draw is not far fetched, but I don't, I can't see them winning this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, South Georgia this week hopefully is really working on its uh, working on its defensive structure because yeah. at the end of the day, like it's one thing to lose away to Forward Madison one or two nil. It's you know getting blown out the way they were. Clearly, there's. They have to work on on making sure that they close down players faster and that they they're able to better handle crosses because that you know that was so dangerous. I mean, when you when you're letting Orlando, you know, put goals against you. Oh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, like they they I think it's Are you, gonna make me my phone? Are you really going to make me? No, 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 no. I'm no, no. I'm saying because Orlando Orlando didn't. It's one of those things to where. The, the league is confusing to me because Tormenta want they they beat Orlando right they beat Orlando 2-0 defense looked fine and then the next week I don't know if it's if it's playing styles I don't know what it is but the fact that certain teams make Orlando look good and Tormenta didn't but then Tormenta can't look good against other it's just weird to me right so like when you're letting when you're letting in four goals against Ford and then you're, you know, and then Orlando puts in two goals against new England. It's just, it's a weird system that's going around in this league to where it's just, there's no kind of consistency right now. Right. Yeah. Like last year is like, okay, uh, Orlando's going to lose. Richmond's going to, like we knew what was going to happen, but now it's just like, I don't know how to, and I think it's just a, in like when you look at the, the second place, I think second place comes down to whoever's going to have, the bet the, the most consistent back line. Yeah. I think it comes down to that. That that's true. Who doesn't leak goals, particularly from from here forward for those uh um for those teams like uh, you know but particularly Chattanooga, Richmond and and Omaha because I would I would say that at the moment those are the three that that probably have the best shot of making uh of making it. So, you know, all of them for like Richmond to get there, they have to try to get points against all the two teams like away a single point's fine and and at home make sure they beat them and then uh you know, steal some points here and there uh from uh you know, from Chattanooga when when they play yeah. each other later. I just I just don't get how you don't allow Orlando to score on you, but then you allow Fort Lauderdale to get two and Ford four. Like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, yeah, obviously they were having bad days or something. Right. Um, 7 p.m. later that day on Saturday. I, I see. I like the schedule now, Jason. I you, like. So, schedule. so you're a fan of Chattanooga uh, making the games it. early so that you can watch four o'clock or something. It might be better, right? If it was at if it was at four, it would be fine. I think. So here's the issue in the South. The hottest part of the day is actually three, later. four o'clock. Yeah, yeah. And it's probably like pop up thunderstorms that happen. Yeah, and so that's if you push it back to five, and then there's one thunderstorm that you can't play. So what they should do. They should. They should try to consider they like should, they should rent lights that's what that's what they should do 10 a.m game 
do 10 a.m. games tell everyone they're bringing lunch you can have a you know picnic afterward in the parking lot right yeah you reverse go. tailgate <laughs> you know so i'm sure they love that just as much yeah uh so 7 p.m is greenville triumph hosting fort lauderdale fort lauderdale not looking too shabby really no um so i think you know greenville probably still pulls this out but it's not a given that they're going to get a win um you know, Fort no. Lauderdale can score some goals. So, you know, remember that first game. Yeah, and for sure. Fort Lauderdale should have went into halftime up 1-0. Yep, for sure. Um, and Greenville, you know, got lucky. I mean, Greenville, you know, scored two in the second half in that game. So, yeah, or um, it was like one at the very end of the first half and one to be in the second. Oh, or maybe like maybe it was like yeah, the forty-second like minute that. or something. But yeah, right. um, but yeah, Fort Lauderdale's attack we know can be potent, and yeah. uh, so so Greenville has to be careful if Dallas J has to be on his game. I think. Well, um, yeah, and I, I think Dallas J heard me talking last year about Mangles, and even though Jay uh, was keeper of the year. He didn't have to face as many, and he didn't have to keep his. He this year he's made multiple game-winning saves, um, and you know you don't get a lot of chances against against Greenville, but a lot of teams have gotten some good chances against them, and and Jay took it away and has changed the game because of it. Even when you look at last week's game, that save he had in the 16th minute, that fingertip save. That yep. goes in, and the way Chattanooga was playing, I don't know if Greenville wins that game. The one where he dove to his right and just got yep. like you know two two fingers to it, and it just yep. went just dribbled wide. Yep, for sure. Yeah, Dallas J is uh, you know he he's obviously one of the elite goalkeepers in this league. Another one that's probably too good for this league, but maybe it might be one of the things you have the opportunity to play with John Harks, you know, and he's happy. He, he played and shorter than the championship, but. Yeah. You, the, the I guess one of the things is too is you know where where do you want to see yourself and and yeah. where do you quality where do you have fun too yeah. yeah I mean you get a chance to play under John Harks you know it's not it's not this USL championship pressure it's not this constant travel well you know they got to go to Tucson at worst but you know most of the teams are in the south so they don't have to go too far I can stay home closer with family yeah I mean he might it might be a situation he just likes where he's at yeah for sure. Uh, so th- that'll be an entertaining one. 5 p.m. on Sunday, Forward Madison in their home in Milwaukee with the trains and the uh, Quidditch pitch, uh, as Jason likes to call it, is hosting Orlando City B. So I have a question. Over, <laughs> under on Madison scoring four? I, I don't know. I don't. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what this league anymore, man. I don't. OCB couldn't score against Tormenta, who everybody scores against. But then they score two on every other team. So I don't I don't know, man. I don't. I don't. <laughs> All right. I don't. Uh, so I, I will I will say I like if you say over under goals, I, I if it was set at three, I'd take the over. Take the over, yeah. yeah. I think I think three one. Especially for some money. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Um 9 p.m. that night Eastern time. So that'll be eight p.m. Central Time, North Texas on Sunday will host Union Omaha. Um, Game of the week. Yeah, probably. I mean, look, Omaha won the away fixture 1-0 um, in their first ever goal. Uh, you know, Evan Conway uh, got that goal, got the uh, the Union got, Omaha got the scarf. scarf because Evan was very upset that I didn't have a Union Omaha scarf yet. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. Another draw? I mean, North Texas seems to be really good at drawing yeah. at home. I mean, North Texas, North Texas can't afford to draw. Yeah, they, they they don't win this game, they're done. 
I know yeah, that's, that's so wild to say this early into the season, but the way they are playing, I don't see them losing this game and being able to turn it around, especially because Omaha is one of those teams that are in the top two, top three contention, and they're just going to separate themselves with a win. So, yeah, it's a must-win game for North Texas. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're in the bottom half of the table, right? So, I mean, it's it's them like North Texas, Tormenta. I mean, basically everyone who's in the bottom half of the table right now, they need points fast. So over the next couple of games, those guys need to win, you know, be like, you know, two wins and a draw in order to um, in, in order to have any shot at making the finals. Was Arturo Rodriguez like that big of the screw that kept this team together? Like, I understand like, you know, there's multiple screws, but it feels like North Texas, he was just the one big screw to keep this team like a wooden roller coaster at Coney Island that nobody needs to be riding. I don't understand like how that drop off has happened because it's it's not them defensively terrible or offensive. It's the midfield. They're not getting it done in the midfield. Yeah, they, they didn't find a replacement kind of, you know, proper holding mid for one. And then two, uh, I, the, their back line is not marking the way that they should. And, uh, you know, you've seen that, you've seen that, w- well, just this week, uh, you know, all three goals, um, you know, two of them shouldn't have happened. And, right. you know, you, you make a, um, you know, and then you leave a guy 25 yards out who can hit it with his left foot. He had, you know, I don't want to say tons of space, but he had so much space that he wasn't even near being pressured. So, so do you believe they can turn it around? Um, well, I think any team can turn it around. The question is, you know, will no, they? I'm asking how, North how, Texas turn it around. North Texas turn it around. With this personnel, I don't think so. Okay. I think if they, you know, they wind up getting someone maybe from the first team who comes down, you know, but but now, you know, F, uh, FC Dallas is going to be playing in Major League Soccer starting next week. So oh, they already started. Yeah, they've been playing Nashville. Oh, yeah, yep. That's right. They played this weekend. Yeah. Happy's, Happy's been playing. So. I think USL League One fans can have a nice exhale knowing that Pepe's playing up in FC Dallas so that he won't have to get loaned down. Yeah, um, so, yeah you're not going to get Brandon Savanya back down like you had for a few games last year, right? So those guys are, are all going to be on on Dallas. So I don't know. I, I think Eric Quill, Coach Quill, has a has a, a tough road ahead of him if, if he's going to have any chance of repeating. Um, yeah. they, need, they need, again, probably seven points for the next three games to have any shot. And then without giving too much of a spoiler to you about today's game, uh, Redzik got hurt and Ooh. he's easily their most creative player. Yeah. It's either, yeah. Him or David Rodriguez. Um, yeah, for sure. So we'll, we'll, we'll see the extent to that injury. Okay. Fair enough. And I know the results now, by the way. So, uh, so then you can be disappointed that like I, I, yeah. Okay. So now you're giving fair answers. I was hoping you're giving answers based off of you not knowing today's results. No, when, when, yeah, when, when, when you were looking at scores, I, I went on. Okay. And said it. So, um, which is also the reason probably why you said Fort Lauderdale was, uh, you know, had, had a potential shot. So listen, I, I, uh, yes, but also you can't, you go back and watch. I've been on Fort Lauderdale. Can surprise. Yeah. 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 I like, I, I like, and then once Sosa started playing and you'll see tonight, uh, Sosa did Sosa did North Texas dirty. He's oh, just yeah. he's a dirty. Like you talk about we're, we keep talking about players that are too good for the league. Sosa, Jason Christ is like, yep, this is it. This is the one. Um, Five goals. I look forward to watching it. So. I would not be surprised to see Sosa and Espen Lopez get a get a shot of training with the first team because 
Um, Enter Miami right now, they have an injury stack of strikers. So if, you know, Ricky keeps finishing the chances he's getting, there's no reason why he couldn't go up there and have a chance to, you know, be a, be a sub player. Um, and then Sosa, I think this literally was like a Sosa comes here for a half a year, year, gets his groove back because he was coming off some injury problems and then he'll be on his way because he, he's killing it. Uh, just hopefully now they don't bring in Breck Shea to ruin everything because <laughs> that's the only way Fort Lauderdale is yeah. going to would ruin it all. It'll be interesting to see. So I noticed that the uh, th- that the guys who who got the red cards haven't played very much for um, for Fort Lauderdale either. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, like if those guys come back because because they had moments of brilliance, they just kind of made yeah. some boneheaded mistakes. Yeah. Um, but then, then again, they were 16, 17 years old, so not a right. you know. Not a huge surprise. Hopefully that they'll learn their lesson. Um, and then Wednesday next week is our last game that we'll talk about a little bit today. New England Revolution 2 stays at home again, so they don't have to travel. And Greenville is traveling up to them. So um, so Greenville goes from Saturday night in Greenville. Um, I guess they'll drive to Charlotte or Atlanta or whatever the closest airport is and then head up to, uh, to Foxborough. Um, I – Still have to give this to Greenville. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's, it's, just, it's experience. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and even if not, like Greenville's probably okay getting a point on the road. Um, and if any team can get a point on the road in, in this league right now, it's Greenville. They can and almost. I think you look at a lot of teams are struggling against speed, right? And like the back lines cannot keep up with the Shaq Adams. They can't keep up with the Fort Lauderdale midfielders, even the Orlando City midfielders and, you know, Tablante and Rivero making his runs, like they're struggling keeping up with them. And I think Greenville with the organized back line and with experience, they know how to position themselves to where they're not giving up that space. And Tyler Pollock's a big reason of him coming back and taking away those passing lanes for those through balls. Um, I think they'll be okay against New England. Great. So we're getting a little long here. We're pushing 90 minutes. We're almost at a full it's match. It's a full um, game. That's all. So, yeah. So uh, I, I, we're Tucson. The last 20 minutes is the is the, is the exciting part. <laughs> so do we have time for one or two questions, Jason? If any, uh, we, any are around? we do. Uh, the one question, and I had, I had three people ask me was about Ricky Espin and whether or not he is somebody that can get called up for the first team. Oh yeah, I mean, I think that the, he's shown that he should at least be given a shot. Um, the the question is, is, is it a shot this year? So uh, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know that team well enough, quite frankly, to, to you know to know what their needs are. Right, like like that's part of the thing with with a lot of two teams is you'll see some very very good players, and the reason why they're down there is just because they have too much depth at that individual position. Right, we right. you talked about this, Jason. You and I talked about this a couple of months ago or, or a month ago about uh, about um, Phoenix Rising and how many wingers they had. And we were like, well, some of them are going to Tucson because right. you know, they're not going to play eight wingers whatever they had on their team, right? So I just um, thought, what, what, what if Fort Lauderdale went and got Austin Amar from Orlando? Yeah. That, listen, you put him in a midfield with, with Blaine, Sosa, and him? Oh, my God. I don't. So, so there's only two realistic ways that that happens, and and one is more more likely than the other. One would be that OCB releases him, right? In which case, he becomes a free agent and he can go anywhere. And the other is that you know they pay money for him. So the question then is, does Inter Miami think that 
Um, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think they're really paying money for anybody. Right. Yeah. I'm just just throwing it out there as, as a as a like something I'm going to think about and have pleasant dreams uh, when I go to sleep because that would be that would be fantastic. Um, but yeah, that was only the only question we had because I got busy with work and didn't yeah. post it anywhere. No, no worries. We're all good. So, Jason, where can people connect with you? At Home Sweet Soccer. I can be found at Ira Jersey, and you can connect with the show at League One Fun on Twitter. That's League the Number One Fun. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks to our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Jason, until next week, hashtag support local soccer. What if they got Shaq Adams, too, on the wing? And then you've got Shaq and an overlapping result. Oh, man.